you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the League Podcast. Ice is up, son. Welcome to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. I am not Dan Hansis. He is back with his family. I'm Greg Rosenthal, along here with a room full of heroes. Chris Wesseling, Mark Sessler, and Zach, the gold standard behind the glass. I'm not saying what up, boys. Not going to do it. Hey, Greg. How are you, Greg? I'm doing well. How Merry Christmas. How, how was your Christmas, Mark Sessler? It was great. Had a day at home with the family. Very relaxing. Uh, I know that Wesling was pounding away at the, uh, the post <laughs> that day. I was working, yeah. Wesling did a little job. work, a yeah. little reading. You went to the pool I at your apartment. I went to the pool. I read uh, Johnny Carson biography. That it, was, was, it was a nice Christmas. I like LA Christmas. You know, I missed the first time I wasn't with my family back in Massachusetts, but no traveling. We went to the beach. We grilled. I don't know. I don't know right. if I can go back to the it old was, Christmas. <laughs> it was 80 degrees. It was outstanding. And, you know, now we're relaxed. We're focused. We were back in the office on Thursday. We've got a big week of games. Mark and I and Chris, we were just talking about how last year, Week 17, didn't have nearly the drama no. that this one did. And let's start where all the drama was happening on Friday morning. The Dallas Cowboys announced that Tony Romo underwent back surgery on Friday morning. He is out. He is going to injured reserve. No more drama there. Kyle Orton will start. Chris Wesseling, you just have a little gut feeling that maybe, just maybe, that's not the worst news in the world for Des Bryant. Yeah, I'm not saying Kyle Orton is better than Tony Romo, but Romo has a tendency to ignore Des Bryant when he's covered not believe in his catch radius, his ability to come down in traffic with the ball. I could see Kyle Orton just slinging it around the field, losing the inhibition that Romo had, and maybe Des Bryant just goes off. Kerry Williams cannot handle him. Doesn't this team 
Number one, is it surprising at all that Romo isn't playing? Did we ever think he was going to play this game? No, they were just keep. The one thing I was surprised about is the timing of the surgery. We thought maybe we wouldn't know the answer whether Romo was playing for sure until Sunday. Now it's Friday. We know it's Orton time, baby. With that in mind, I assume the Cowboys coaches knew the same. You've got a game plan to win a shootout here, I think, because Philly's offense looks as good as it has all season. They're going to go put 40 points on the board. Of course they are. I think the I think the over under for them their points is about 40 45. Jerry Jones had some comments this week that look, this is why they signed Kyle Orton. They gave him a 5 million dollar signing bonus. Orton has enjoyed being a backup and getting paid very well for the last couple of years. So this is what they pay him for. And I agree. I think Orton's probably one of the five or six best backups in the league. But Jerry Jones had some other comments that slipped under the radar and They were about the defensive system. And he says, we believe in this defensive system more than ever. This is the system we want to continue to run in the future. Isn't that the definition of insanity? I don't know what it is. What it is to me is that you can't take these comments seriously. Any of them, I guess. Because when you say that, it's one of the biggest collapses, mistakes, problems. Whatever you want to call the Cowboys defense in that system... It's one of the biggest stories in the NFL this year, how bad it's been. Yeah, I agree. And I think anyone who's read Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk knows (laughs) that Jerry Jones' number one, two, three, and four priority is selling the Cowboys brand. That's all he cares about. Well, that is a fictional book. It's based on Jerry Jones. <laughs> it is a fictional book. I mean, it, it's a great book, by the well, way. If you're looking kept... for a Christmas gift a little late, go it's for It's a that. wonderful book. That's the only kind of gifts by, that I get. By Ben Fountain. <laughs> you know, this, they have kept the narrative, and that, this is on the media, too, and it's on everyone. It's, it's Romo to Orton. It's all quarterback talk. But I can't, and this, we've been saying this for weeks, I look at this team holistically. I look at their defense. I cannot give them a chance to do anything of importance. And Jones, who already admitted that firing Rob Ryan was a mistake. Mm. So he's already admitted that he, they could have done better than they've done this season. It's all talk from him. Come on. And what's getting overlooked, because we're focusing on the Cowboys, is how great this Eagles offense has been on balance. Nick Foles right now has the fifth highest yards per attempt average since any, of any quarterback since 1990. Number one on that list is Kurt Warner. Two of the other players above him on that list, he could pass with a big game this week. It's Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning, both in seasons that they won the MVP. I mean, just by the numbers, Foles is outrageous. Number two on this list was shocking to me. Chris Chandler in the 1998 Falcons. Wow. Mm. Wow, that is shocking. So this is such a great big play offense, and the one game where they they really didn't look like themselves all year was against the Cowboys. Now, Sean Lee was healthy back then. Justin Durant was around. Well, Foles had a concussion in that game, too. Right. He also was limping around with a groin injury, but they had some track record that maybe they could I, I think down. we'll see a completely different game than that. And honestly, I like this game reminds me of what they had to deal with with the Bears, which is an offense that can be frisky, score points on you, but talk about a good setup for Philly's offense. Again, 40 points. So we all think the Eagles are going to win. We all picked them to win. If they win on Sunday night, they will be the three seed in the NFC for sure. Move on to the playoffs. I think it's going to happen. Let's go talk about the other 
do or die game. Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears. I wish this game was Sunday night. Aaron Rodgers back in the mix. We haven't had a podcast since that happened. Wesley, what is your take on Aaron Rodgers' return to the lineup in Chicago? I couldn't be more fired up about this. Nice. I love watching great quarterbacks. Who wants to watch Matt Flynn? (laughs) (laughs) Not Mark Sessler. No. Aaron Rodgers makes his whole team better. You've got Randall Cobb probably coming back. Jordy Nelson had seven touchdowns with Aaron Rodgers and one with the uh, triumvirate of Seneca Wallace, Scott Tolzien, and Matt Flynn. This whole offense is going to get better. Eddie Lacy faced seven or more men in the box on 25% of his carries with Aaron Rodgers and on 50% of his carries with the other quarterbacks. This is a big difference. The Packers' defense was on the field five minutes longer with the other quarterbacks than they were with Rodgers. He makes the whole team better. Well, and you could argue that Chicago wouldn't be in this same situation they are if Rodgers hadn't got hurt early in that game against the Bears the first time. In comes... Shea Sen- McClellan decides to have the best game right. of his career and take Rodgers out. It's the only game he's shown up for in two years. I don't really count that as a Chicago win over Green Bay in the, in the traditional sense because of how that went down. I, I agree with Wes. This is... Look, you want your best players on the field, especially if this is for the playoffs. The idea of a Flynn-led team getting into the postseason was, to me, disgusting. <laughs> it's not just because of him, because I don't see this as a great football team, but Rodgers changes everything. The question, though, you have, again, this, you, ha- you can't just ignore what's happening on the defensive side of the ball. They've given up 20-plus points in a flood of games. Rodgers, he does change uh, you know, the landscape in Green Bay, but this isn't a great football team. I think they're the NFC's answer to the Broncos. I Who? think they, the Packers are. Packers are. They have that kind of offense... With Jarrett Boykin emerging, Cobb coming back, they have that potential. Lacey is probably better than Marino, and Starks is playing really well as the backup. They have a lot going on offense, but their defense is injured. They give up a lot of. They've given up twenty points at least in nine straight games. Do you expect Rodgers now? He's he's done a lot of individual practicing. He's just started to mesh with the first team last week or two tops. Do you expect him to come in and be lights out, mid-season form, no rust? Yes. He's been practicing for a couple weeks, so I do expect him to be effective. And the biggest reason is his opponent. This Chicago team, it's not just that their defense is bad. Their their offense is very good. Their defense is bad. They're not a good team. They were 3-0. Now they're 8-7. So they're a losing team over the last three months. The only reason they're in this race is because Rodgers got injured. The only reason the Packers are in this race, partly at least for the last few weeks, is that wild comeback in Dallas. If the Cowboys' defense wasn't the worst defense in the league, the Packers would be out of this too. So everyone could feel a little bit lucky, but I just want to call out some of the Green Bay Packers defensive players and just say, hey, B.J. Raji, it's like, you want a new contract? Let's make some plays, B.J. Raji. He used (laughs) to be a great player. Clay Matthews. You know, I know he was coming back from an injury. He has not been Clay Matthews lately. He's out this week. He's out this week, but when if he comes back for the playoffs, I just want some, some of their players. Tremont Williams and Sam Shields have been up and down this year, but they did make those plays their against the Cowboys. Their safeties have been awful. They're capable of making plays. The safeties are bad. I don't think this defense is quite as bad on paper. Dom Capers is, should be a good coach. They should be better. I could see them romping. In Chicago. We all picked Green Bay in this room, but there were some Bears picks, which surprised me. Kevin Patra, actually, and Mark Sessler both picked the Bears. Are you sticking with that pick, Mark? 
Uh, undetermined. <laughs> Looking at the, I'm going to talk to my Packers sources and see me, how Rodgers looked at practice. Let me throw this out to you. I did my defensive nucleus rankings yesterday. Mm-hmm. The Bears are at the bottom with the Redskins and Raiders for worst defensive nucleus in the NFL. Oh, I can't disagree with that. I can't either, and that's why I'd be so stunned to see Jay Cutler and Josh McCown and whoever whoever's playing. It's going to be Cutler this week. I, the all-time Jay Cutler answer of a press conference was when they asked him about Rodgers playing, and he's, he's just like, I don't play offense, man. That's for Lance to, do, to worry about. Well, and, he, and the offense. narrative of Cutler is he's almost escaping the spotlight here because of Rodgers because that offense has not been the same with Cutler on the field. True. And he's, you know, Tony Romo now, no one's talking about his legacy or blah, blah, blah because he's not playing this week, which, by the way, I'm going to remember that comeback he had against the Redskins. I don't care it was against the Redskins. He suffered a major injury and led an awesome comeback in the fourth quarter after the injury. People should remember that. Jake Cutler has not always played his best games or stayed the healthiest in his biggest games. This is a chance for him going into free agency to make a little noise to shock us all and put 45 points on the board and get them to the playoffs. Make some money. He's beaten Green Bay once as a Bears quarterback. He likes to throw it to the green. So those are our two biggest games of the week. But really, this entire schedule littered with big games. Let's call up our old pal, our usual host, Dan Hansis, and talk about his New York Jets. They can't make the playoffs, but they can knock their rival Miami Dolphins out of the playoffs. Dan, how are you doing in New York this week? Cold. You've been playing through a little pain. You had a Michael Jordan with the flu like performance on December 26th, the day after Christmas. Yeah, people will, uh, historians will look back <laughs> at my performance on December 26th as one of the more heroic Tony Romo-like performances <laughs> in ATL's history. Well, you I sound feel great now, though. Well, you sound great. Or hour bug. Actually, I'm, you sound terrible. You back. sound terrible, Dan. Are you okay? I mean, to, to tell every all the listeners, Dan was not feeling well, stomach bug, but he got up. He was cranking out posts yesterday. It was quite a performance. I mean, you're in your childhood home, right? Are you being baked meals that are of worth? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's been it's, it hasn't been horrible. You know, I got my mom here, so that's good. Um, I ha- I am in my childhood home uh, with my wife, so I'm okay, and uh, and I hope everything's going well in the in the studio 66. I listened to. Christmas Eve podcast, which I really enjoyed. I'm a solid B. I really am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you You mentioned to me you've never learned so much about Burt Bell, which is... Yeah, I'm sure I'm not the only one that uh, <laughs> learned more than they ever thought they'd ever learn about Burt Bell. So, Well, you don't sound... Yeah, that's the type of stuff. You don't sound that excited, and maybe it's because you know this could be the last game of the Rex Ryan era, and you're going to miss old Rexy. Let's talk a little Jets-Dolphins. What are you expecting out of your team in this game down in Miami? I think the Jets are going to put up a really good effort. They haven't played well uh, on balance against the Dolphins in the last couple of years. Um, and there was one of the low points of Rex's tenure was in 2011 on New Year's Day when they had a meltdown in Miami. Ooh. But I don't, I don't see anything like that happening in this game. I think... If nothing else, Rex is beloved by the guys in the locker room, and I really think that will translate. I think that they're going to play well in this game, and, and, and barring a 
a complete derailment of the Geno coaster, which which obviously is always in play, I could see them knocking the, the Dolphins out of contention, which would really not only give a nice capper for Jets fans who got more out of the season than you would ever have expected, but also it would really put the pressure on Woody uh, Johnson and John Idzik uh, because if you if the Jets go eight and eight with this talent, you know which a lot of people thought was a three to four win team, there's almost no way you could fire him without getting a lot of brushback and pushback from both the fan base and the locker room. So it's a pretty sneaky, vital game to the Jets' uh, near future. You know what the other thing that would do? Spare the rest of the country from having to watch the Dolphins in the playoffs. That's what that would do. The greater good. Uh, gangrene is on a mission from God. Doesn't this game remind you a little bit of what Miami had to do against Buffalo last week, which was go in, play a really, really good defensive front that shuts down the run. Miami couldn't run the ball last week. They won't be able to Sunday. Suddenly, Ryan Tannehill's getting pressured all over the place, and Miami played one of their worst offensive games of the year. They look nothing like a playoff One of the team. worst offensive games I've seen in the NFL. I could totally see them playing four quarters with their hands around their neck and just gagging <laughs> this game bad. I, I've never bought in on this team. I don't get excited about Joe, Joe Fieldman-led squads or Jeff Ireland-led teams. <laughs> you know, I don't think there's going to be any heroic run here. And, uh, you know, Greg, Greg you, your boy, Ryan Tannehill, this is, this is a big spot for him. You know, if he, if he lays an egg here, you might have to rethink your man crush. Well, he's only in his second year, but it, it couldn't be a bigger spot for the entire organization. You know, you mentioned Jeff Ireland's name, and... If they go 8-8 eight and eight and lose the last two games in the division to the Bills and the Jets, I, I have a hard time seeing him back. And Philbin seems like he's safe, but he's one of those guys I think you just got to watch out for just in case because if you bring in a new GM, a lot of times that means a new coach. So this is a monster game for the Dolphins. And, and I like that you brought up that 2011 example. Santonio Holmes, probably the moment when we learned maybe you shouldn't have made him team captain. That was final game. I mean, this San Antonio Holmes could go out in a blaze of glory with the big game. I mean, I know this Dolphins team drives you crazy, Chris, and you watched them last week. Just the floor is yours to vent a little bit. They don't have an identity. Who are the Miami Dolphins? What do they do well? They're mediocre in every single area, and I just don't want to watch that. No, God! (laughs) No, God, please, no! That is kind of their identity, that they're average at everything. And so that means they should be an 8-8 eight and eight team. They are average at offense, they're average at defense, they're average pass defense, they're average rush defense. Dan Hansis picked the New York Jets. Chris Wesseling, who has oddly picked the New York Jets practically <laughs> every week this season. And I don't season. even like them. It's really I, I'm, I cannot believe that this continually happens. I would have had uh, not I would have won them all, but I would have had easily four extra hero picks this year at West just instead of, you know, going he talks down on the Jets all the time, but then he always picks them to win. It drives me insane. They must have played a really soft schedule. What they did. And Wes is in second place in the picks. I have clinched the picks trophy for the season at Gotta this get point. that into the podcast. Well, if not for the Jets, I'd probably be in first. So that's what I was going to say. If not for the Jets, they're, they're really the difference. I've got hero picks. It's outstanding. Dan, I know you're flying back here. You're fighting, you know, a tough situation. You're with your family. Thank you for playing Hurt, and you'll be here back in the host chair on Sunday. We look forward to it. 
I can't wait. And one more thing before I go, the we are at T minus two days before Mark Sessler does the hashtag Tebow Tuck. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Tebow jersey tucked in to high-waisted jeans, potentially a 90s dad belt. Hmm. Uh, it's coming. Pictures will be up on the Around the League A jersey more well-fit for a man about 100 pounds heavier than me, so <laughs> it should be interesting. Was that a dig at Dan? No, there? no. It was, again, when they purchased the jersey for Dan, he didn't want a Tebow uh, name on the back, and it, it it was someone that expected Dan to fill out. Yeah, <laughs> you have to make fat jokes, Mark. Just you lost the game. Listen, I'm saying you're not this fat, and there someone, someone, not He's, a friend, obviously expected you to become this hefty. A, a Joe Hayden like backpedal here from Mark Sessler. Uh, th- we will send those pictures out. Mark wearing the Tebow jersey. Thank you, Dan. We'll talk to you Sunday. Right. Bye. Another picture I want to send out at some point here, is I took a picture of uh, Zach, the gold standards um, ID at work, and it is something else. Uh, It's a little blurry there. I need to get a better picture. Holy out-of-work porn star. (laughs) But he... Look, I'm already fighting, like, a major uphill battle with Eirich gone. I'm, I'm... you know, massive step down in so many respects. I think the f- adding the facial hair element to it is just unfair at this point. Are you just like, were you like living in a one wood, like a bachelor pad in Silver Lake when you came up with that? I'd love to preserve that imagery for you. Uh, I was living in my childhood home participating in uh, in Movember. Oh, but I see. Fair. I'd love fair. to Movember. pass this one off as a lifestyle. Yeah, it's, it's a terrible, terrible mustache. So we'll try to send that one out. I'm here to fix your cable. Uh, <laughs> uh, the biggest disaster, really, since the Cleveland Browns offense this season. How about that for a transition? Let's talk a little Browns Steelers. You are a factory of sadness. <laughs> Any chance the Browns win this week, Mark? Against well, Pittsburgh? No, I don't. I don't think so because Cleveland. They are about to. If they lose this game, I believe it's the longest losing streak to close a season in. Ages and ages, and they've had some bad football teams mm. in Cleveland since they came back. Uh, Big Ben sixteen and one against the Browns, which is I think Tom Brady against the Bills is the only other quarterback, along with Staubach against the Giants, to go in his career to start sixteen and one against a team. I remember that one loss. It was in the season finale at Cleveland, and the Steelers I think had a chance to get to the playoffs. Well, it was a Thursday night game. It was close to the end of the year, and it, like it saved Mangini's job. And it was in about z- zero sub-degree temperatures. But, I, you know, this one's uh, – Pittsburgh's playing, honestly, when they want to, as well as any of these AFC wannabes. I'm not saying Denver, but uh, some of these low-hanging teams in the AFC playoff picture, I, I wouldn't want to deal with Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Cleveland, defensively, uh, for all – I think it's easy now if you stopped watching their games to say, oh, that Cleveland defense, it has uh, been shredded of late. Since Desmond Bryant went down. That is really a. That is what you could trace it back to. I mean, Joe Hayden's depth, not though. played they as well. They should be better. They should be. Joe, better. They should be better. Joe Hayden probably won't play with a hip injury. Jordan Cameron hasn't practiced all week, I believe, with a concussion. Yep. Two key players for the Browns. And yeah. the, and the Steelers, as much love as we're giving them, you know, is giving up thirty plus points to Miami in the snow, giving up thirty plus points to Matt Flynn in the snow. It's not like their defense has really turned it around. They've. They've just sort of avoided being a total disaster, but it's the offense and Roethlisberger, who you guys had on the Pro Bowl ballot, I believe, and yeah. I think he would I think he would deserve it. I mean, well, he's been outstanding. Their one chance, because you're right about Pittsburgh's defense, and when Josh Gordon started to go statistically completely off the map and went crazy, it began in Pittsburgh when he fried Ike Taylor, and he's not the only guy to do that, and nor, lesser receivers have been killing Ike Taylor all year. 
That's their one shot. Just get your best player to do what he does and win a low-scoring game. But again, I go Pittsburgh here. You got this him. could be the last game in Pittsburgh for Ike Taylor, Troy Polamalu, Brett Kiesel, mm. Ryan Clark. Half of their defense, basically, could be their last game. Ziggy Hood's a free their agent. Their coordinator, maybe? Mm. Possibly. That that would be really interesting if they made a change from Dick LeBeau. How how interesting would it be? How about Rex Ryan in Pittsburgh next year? Every, everyone's well, going to We want. talked about that. I think that's interesting. But you know what? I think it, one thing real quick on Rex Ryan, if eight openings come up, he'll be a head coach again. Somebody's going to get a good head coach. I agree. I Someone will get a head coach that not only has no clue how to fix a, an offense, which is what we, <laughs> which, what, what we killed Lovey Smith for year after year, Seems to have active dislike for the <laughs> offense. And, As you would expect. And disinterest. I think that's a bit of a problem. He brings something to the table. He's a good head coach, but you need, you need someone that has some solutions, has something to do with the other side of the ball. But the the sign important of a good, side of the ball. But the sign of a good coach, if he does get another role, is you grow in those ways. Remember what Belichick did early in Cleveland. It was a disaster. I mean, Schottenheimer grew. All these guys change as head coaches. If, so there, were, if there were 16 teams in the NFL... Rex Ryan would be a great defensive coordinator, but with 32 teams, there aren't 31 better coaches than him. That's right. I totally agree. Let's move on to the other games in the AFC that matter. Now, Pittsburgh, they need to win, and they need Miami, Baltimore, and San Diego to lose. Let's talk about those Chargers. San Diego and the Chiefs, they're going to line up in the late afternoon knowing whether they have a chance to make the playoffs or not. The Chiefs, it sounds like they might not play their starters in this game. In fact, I'd be surprised if they played their starters throughout the game. Chris Wesley, I know you love it when people do that. Bill Polian is one of your, I would say, football idols. Um, You love those Dungy-era Colts that just would shut it down week 15 because you just think, save those guys for the playoffs. It's a foolproof strategy. (laughs) I think it's an awful strategy. (laughs) And I think people have heard my rant on this subject before. I'm not breaking any new ground. But there are only 16 games on an NFL schedule. Play them. Compete. That's your job. You're getting paid to do it. I don't want to see you packing it in, especially when you've lost four of your last six. Your defense has given up more yards in the last eight weeks than anybody except the Dallas Cowboys. You're not going into the Oof. playoffs on all cylinders here. This is a bad team right now. You need to circle the wagons, get your team competitive, and play, not pack it in. Every once in a while, there's a stat or a player or a team where if, if you hear a national analyst say something like Ryan Matthews is injury-prone in a, in a soft runner, it's obvious that they are not watching the game. Anyone that talks up the Chiefs' defense at all – has not been watching the games. Because it's not just that they played Peyton Manning a couple times. They have not been good. They have been one of the worst defenses in the league for the last for the half a season now. You know, I had a Chiefs fan tweet at me, uh, going off on a similar rant that, I, that Wes had, who said, Reed has earned this. And that's where it starts to get me furious. Because the Chiefs haven't earned anything yet. And if I'm, a, if I'm running a team and they do what they did against an average Colts team last week mm. at home. They got worked. They got killed. Why would you want to ha- have that be your last note before you go into the game that matters most? And you want to talk about a coach of a year? Part of it is preparing your team mm. for what is the game no one thought they'd get to. I would play them from end to end. You set, If an injury comes, you deal with it. Every team deals with injuries. But this way of going out, sitting these guys... Is disgusting. Why not start pinching your players in October? Put them in bubble wrap. <laughs> they might get hurt. Andy Reid 
could actually lose coach of the year partly because of this, because people tend to vote on what's happened lately. The Chiefs haven't closed strong. I think Bruce Arians has a good chance. We talked about it. We should bring back this clip at River some point. Riverboat Ron. Riverboat Ron's got right. a chance. I, I remember before the season, I said, wouldn't it be cool if Bruce Arians won coach of the year back-to-back for two different organizations? That's never happened before. He has a legit shot, especially if the Chiefs phone it in this weekend. I expect that to happen. The one defense for Andy Reid, he did it four times in Philadelphia. And where did and any of those teams end up? They Well, they won their first playoff game in three of them and went to the Super Bowl one. So it, I, did, it I just, didn't kill them. I, 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 I know that stat. I just think this is a bad tone setter for a team that a lot of people don't believe in. I don't care what happened in the first playoff game. Play the game on the schedule that you're supposed to play. Not to mention, what about competitive integrity? This Chargers game is going to matter no matter what the results are early. Now, it might not matter for the Chargers, but either way, this game is deciding who goes to the playoffs. Because if the Dolphins and Ravens win early, the Chargers need to win for Baltimore to get to the playoffs. If the Dolphins and Ravens lose early, the Chargers will have a chance to get into the playoffs. So this game's going to matter, and it's like... The team's not even trying. It kind of ruins the whole competitive integrity thing. Well, and the Colts thing. did this. They did right. this many times, and we've this discussion is not new. However, it's just I, I have a tough time watching the Chiefs do this. I automatically don't feel a whole lot of sympathy for them if they get waxed in the postseason. The NFL realizes there's a competitive integrity issue, which is why they've changed the schedules around and tried to eliminate this. They can't force Andy Reid to be competitive as much as they'd like him to. I know we work for the NFL. We're critical sometimes. One of the best things they've done is waiting the schedule with all these divisions. Totally agree. It has worked perfectly, and we're getting a great week because of it. One of those division games, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Do we think, Mark Sessler, that the Ravens, who we thought had a little bit of magic going in the last week and then they get stomped, can go on the road and be a quality Bengals team. Are we admitting that the Bengals are a good team at this point? I am. Well, I'm admitting that they're a good team at home. And yeah. it's, this, is a tough, this is a tough sell for the Ravens because they were handled last week. They, didn't, they, they seemed to have lost all that magic in, in gusto that they had. And Flacco did not look particularly healthy to me. And we talked about this on Sunday night. It's not that he's a mobile quarterback, but when he just has to stand there and uh, you know get the ball out before he's attacked, that the middle of that line is not very good. And Cincinnati has got an underrated defense that I think is going to take care of business. The Bengals have a right to be irritated with the way they're perceived, and this is the game that they could. You know, you want to talk about a statement game? They have to win this game, don't they, at home? Yes, and they're undefeated at home. They have some injuries. Vontez Perfect concussion if he can't play i think they at least have they probably plug in Vinny ray who's mm. been great been in a reserve good. role Vinny, you're on the, you're calling him Vinny. is anyone else doing that Vinny ray i think there's a few people calling him <laughs> Vinny ray <laughs> and on offense both tight ends are injured so this this could be a factor but i still think they're the stronger team here and playing at home it makes it a really uphill climb for the ravens to get into the playoffs the bengal's cannot complain about how they're perceived cuz every time they're in prime time they lay an egg. They go down to Miami, 
and lose to the Dolphins. Everyone's talking up Andy Dalton, and he throws a couple terrible picks. Then they're on Sunday Night Football against the Steelers, and they get whacked. They don't even show up. So win a game on on national TV. They arguably, you know, if they beat Baltimore and a few other things shake out, they could end up having to deal with Pittsburgh again. That's the Mm. team they can't get past. I don't think they want to play Pittsburgh in the playoffs. I would love to see that. I would love to see that, too. The Bengals also have a chance at a bye. They'll be playing early, so they'll put some pressure on the Patriots to win We don't want to see that either. I don't want to see that. I want to see the Patriots get a bye uh, because that, if they didn't, that means they lost to the Bills, which would be a major problem. I think the Bengals win this game. We all picked the Bengals. I'm surprised no one went with the Ravens. So we think that they'll win and that they'll have the number three seed. They could fall down to the two, uh, to, to the four rather. Let's move over to the NFC and talk about those games that still have playoff implications. Starting in New Orleans, saints Bucks, kind of a similar situation in 2010. saints Bucks. Week 17, the Saints had something to play for. They lose to a 3-13 and Bucks team. Is there any chance that happens again, Mark Sessler? Well, there's always a chance, right? Sure. And Tampa's defense has occasionally been really difficult to deal with. But I, the, my problem here is that if you're a Cardinals fan, you need this to happen. You need Tampa Bay to win uh, to get into the playoffs. And I think that's, that's a tough draw. New Orleans, to me, lately, I they I struggle to see them as a team that's going to do a lot of damage in the postseason. They've been real up and down of late, but this is a game they'll take care of. They're a different team at home. We've been saying that all year. Uh, I, I thought they were – Drew Brees struggled a little bit to throw in the elements last week. But at home, I can't see – even with Levante David and Gerald McCoy, both of whom have had all-pro type of seasons, I can't see the Bucks stopping them. The Saints have not been a – particularly impressive team for six weeks. They had the 49ers game. Okay, they won that by three points. They got a lucky call there. But it really started in Atlanta. They scraped out a victory. Look at their points scored over the past eight weeks. Right. They have they scored 17 in Atlanta, seven in Seattle. Then they had the one impressive game that they've had, and of course it was at home against the Panthers. They played great, beat them 31-13. But the other two games, 27-16 they lose, 17-13. That's Wow, four games out of five, they're held to 16 points or less. The New Orleans Saints. They have no running game. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Graham has plantar fasciitis. He's not the same player he was early in the season. Marcus Colston can't separate. They're not an explosive offense in any way. And they're going to have to go on the road unless Carolina blows this game in Atlanta. And let's talk about that. Chris Wesseling, I know you, you watched and you were so impressed last week. Uh, with the play of one of their linebackers, but not the play that everyone, not the player that everyone thinks. This is about storylines in the NFL. You come into the Panthers game. Luke Keekley's a Player of the Year candidate. The announcers cue up the storyline. We have to talk about Luke Keekley all game. After afterwards, we've talked about tackle stats all year. They're they're a mess. The Panthers actually give him two more tackles. Twenty six. If you watch that game, Luke Keekley did not have twenty six tackles. <laughs> He had a great game. Thomas Davis was even better. Ooh. They both had the same number of solo tackles. Thomas Davis had more at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage than Keekley did. He was flying around the field. Thomas Davis deserves to be in the Pro Bowl, and he's been great this year. And how about that interception by Thomas Davis? By both of them had exceptional interceptions, but Davis dropping back into coverage, reading Drew Brees' eyes, jumping up in the air. You don't see many linebackers that can tackle making a play like that. I don't know if 
Patrick Willis isn't making that play. No, no, no. Hmm. Navarro Bowman, maybe he could make that play. He's pretty Thomas nasty. Davis has range, and he's one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. And uh, the Panthers need to win this game in Atlanta to get the bye, to get the NFC South title. If Carolina wins, New Orleans will know that they're just going to be a wild card, and they're going to have to go on the road next week if they win and face either Philadelphia or Green Bay or, you know, you never know, maybe Dallas or Chicago, one of those teams. So a much tougher road. It's hard to imagine the Saints being a Super Bowl contender unless the Panthers lose this game. This is a huge game for the Panthers. The Falcons have been competitive. You know they're going to be playing hard for Tony Gonzalez's last game to give him a good send-off. If the Panthers get that bye week, Steve Smith gets another week, another two weeks to get healthy. Charles Johnson hasn't been the same since his knee injury. It gives him a couple of weeks. They really need those two key players back to full strength. Isn't that what we want, though? The Panth- seeing that the Niners cannot get it in theory. like we, It's the Panthers that we want to see potentially have to go into Seattle, not one of these other teams. It's the, it's the official team of around the league. We said they're a top-five team somewhere like week seven, week six. And here they are on the doorstep. And last week felt like the biggest game of the year. But this is a, I think it's a tricky spot. I remember these Panthers-Falcons games are always classic. Remember last year, Matt Ryan uh, had the drive where he went 99 yards in a minute 16 to pull out a victory against Carolina and really send their season spiraling. It's a good division game. I'm excited. It lines up early. So when the Saints play at 425, they'll know whether they still have a chance to get the bye or whether they're just playing for the wild card. Another team that has a bye, Seattle, if they win this game against St. Louis. We talked about it on Tuesday's podcast. The Rams have the Defensive Player of the Year candidate in Robert Quinn. How has Russell Wilson looked to you, Chris Wesseling, when you've watched Game Rewind? And and I just want to know if you think the Rams can slow the Seahawks passing game down. I've heard other people say that Russell Wilson hasn't played well for a month now. I think it's just the last week. Hmm. I think he's been fine. I think he's been Russell Wilson, the second most valuable player in the NFL this year. I don't have any problem. I, I don't. I, I, t- I said this on Tuesday. I think this is a blowout. I can't take the Rams seriously going into Seattle. They're not. What are they doing on offense? Well, they got Zach Stacy averaging three point two yards per carry. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's almost surprising Seattle has something to play for this week. They're not going to lose two straight home games. It's not going to happen. I don't think Wilson played that well against the 49ers. I know the final numbers looked okay. Uh, He was not a strong point for that team. They looked very limited on offense for most of that game in a big spot against the 49ers. And then you combine that with the Cardinals. Maybe it's just division opponents have a beat on him, but they got another one this week. I don't think many quarterbacks are playing well against the 49ers and Cardinals. Also, I think it's Seattle's line because Marshawn Lynch's numbers – are way off this season from where they were game by game. He had 1,000 yard games last year. I think he has three this year. His yards per carry are down. I think Seattle's line is an issue. It's translating to Russell's play. You put anyone behind a, a shaky fine, offensive but the line. The line's not going anywhere. It's been a problem all year. There's well, an argument. It is getting made. healthier. It, but they expected Russell Okung's return to just magically solve everything, and it has not been a great offensive line. Well. Wouldn't you agree that it often takes a couple of games to get back into football shape? Sure. And, and honestly, unless injuries, you're Aaron Rodgers, yeah, we t- well, 
it's different being a quarterback. He's in he the doesn't top. have to get in football shape to be like play quarterback. Wilson has been pressured more times per pass than any quarterback in the league, I believe, other than Mike Glennon. So their line has been a problem all year. Rams, yeah. Well, that's what the Rams game. did to them in that last game. They dominated them. And if Seattle wins that game, of course, they'll get the one seed. If they somehow lost, that opens the door for the 49ers to possibly win the NFC West. And now let's get to our favorite final regular season segment of the year. Defend your hero. Mark Sessler, you have the 49ers are somehow our hero pick. We all love Bruce Arians so much that we picked the Cardinals to win that game at home, except for you. You believed that the 49ers would get it done. Defend your hero. Look, I love Arians too, but I'm surprised that this is a hero pick because nothing about the Niners says to me this is a team that's going to, in a big spot here, fold the tent. I think they're playing some of their better better offense of the year. Kaepernick's looking sharper. That was a gutsy win on Monday night. They flat out just found a way to get it done. Arizona is... Against the Falcons. Against the Falcons, a team that we just praise for playing hard down the stretch. <laughs> now, yeah, it, was not a, a, it wasn't the equal of Arizona. And the Cardinals are going to be... A, it's a shame if they don't make the playoffs. I don't want to see that not happen. But I, I don't have a problem picking the Niners here. This is the defending NFC champions. Get some high-level Jedi mind tricking going on here. I don't know how this happened, Wes. Early in the week, you said on this podcast the Cardinals are winning this game, <clears throat> right? So mm. that convinced me to take the Cardinals. And then you did the old switcheroo and took the uh, the Forty ers Listen, I don't know how seventeen weeks into the season you fell for that trick. <laughs> We've been doing this to each other all year. Well, we keep track of hero picks uh, on the Around the League picks page, which you can find by googling Lyle the Intern. In week 17, picking winners. Mark Sessler, hey, he might be in last place in the overall picks, but he is tied for second in the hero pick department. So you could pass Dan, who's tied with you, if you can get this right. And, hey, maybe you'll be last place overall, but you'll have something to tell the I kids about. I would be about. happy if this entire picks process were scrubbed from the Internet <laughs> because it has been a disastrous season. I know. It's been tough for you coming back to your family and – you know, your little boys, you know, run up to the door when you come in on Sunday night and they say, Daddy, how would you picks? You know, and it's, <laughs> it's the first thing they ask. And, and, and it's tough. I mean, I, I just know you have to you have to pretend like it doesn't matter. You shut that off when you're home. You're with your family. Yeah. Well, children need to learn hard lessons early. <laughs> and this has been a tough uh, road for them and for myself. I had uh, another hero pick this week. I uh, picked the Detroit Lions to go into Minnesota and win. Now, it's strange this is a hero pick because, you know, they have a much better record than the Vikings, but everyone basically thinks the Lions have phoned it in and the Vikings are playing better lately. So that's why I assume you guys took the Vikings. I took the Lions because the most Lions thing possible to do right now would be to win 44-7 to and then Schwartz gets fired Monday and, and everyone in the meantime is just like, Oh, what what happened here? Like, why why did this team not make the playoffs? What is the most painful way possible, really, for this to happen for Kevin Patrick and all the Lions fans out there? I think it's for them to go into Minnesota and remind everyone, oh, this should have been a 10 or 11 win team. I don't know. This to me <laughs> you're has... Not, you're not no, buying it. Not at all, because I think Patra already... We know what Patra wants to happen. 
this has a well is poisoned kind of feel to me for Detroit, and n- nothing would cap off this incredibly disappointing season than to go in and get dropped about thirty-seven <laughs> to ten to another team that's about to part ways with its entire staff. The Lions. I don't know who Stafford's going to throw to. Pet- that's a problem. Pettigrew's on IR. They the already- Vikings. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Purple uniforms. Calvin Johnson hasn't practiced all week. I don't. I don't see the Lions have had trouble. Th- Everyone's dropping the ball. Nobody's open. I don't. I don't see that. See, that's the, But that's the moment when the Lions, just a gritty gang of overachievers, step up. People. <laughs> people yeah. saying for the first time. People saying that they couldn't do it all year, but they play smart. They might not have the most talent in the world, but. They play. Oh wait, that's the exact opposite. Yes, of that's the lines. right. All right. The You're going to see more Matt Aziata. Oh wow. Yeah, Peterson that... is doubtful. Gerhardt's not going to play. Matt Aziata and Joe Bangard, who sounds like some bizarre amalgam of Seinfeld characters. <laughs> well, listen, Castle in this—it's not completely because of Aziata, or maybe even at all. Had his one of the best games in years with with Aziata or whatever his name is in the background. <laughs> that's true. Castle trying to you know. Bring some magic. Looks like he'll be back with the Vikings next year. This is one of those games that feels like a Week 17 game. There's yeah. only three all all week that don't matter. This is one of them. It's amazing the Lions are involved with one of them. Another one was Kevin Patrick's hero pick. He chose the Redskins to beat the Giants. These are two teams that we're sick of talking about in terms of 2013. Let's just move right past them and talk about <laughs> the AFC games that still matter. Indianapolis and Jacksonville. The Colts have an outside chance at getting a bye. They would need the Bengals and the Patriots to lose. There's been a lot of talk this week about the Colts being frisky. Wesseling, I know you know you're not totally buying it. No, I'm not. I, I agree that they deserve some kind of credit for going into San Francisco, going into Kansas City and winning, beating the Seahawks and Broncos at home, and then they've not played well against bad teams, but. Last week, I thought maybe that passing game was turning around and carrying the offense, and then I went and watched the game. And basically, they won because of two big plays from Donald Brown, which you can't count on every week. I still don't know if I'm confident in in that offense. And the defense is kind of hit or miss, too. So I don't think we know who the Colts are. Well, listen, is there a less uh, glowing way to back into the playoffs than to lose to Jacksonville and get into the <laughs> AFC playoffs? Well... That would be true if that happened. They haven't had those really ugly losses to terrible teams. I give the Colts credit for the most part of avoiding those. It's like they took care of business against the Texans a few weeks ago. They can go into the playoffs with a three-game winning streak here, and they're coming off their most impressive game in in a half season. So the Colts, I think just because of luck and because there's a good chance they're going to play the Chiefs in the first round, they're a little frisky. I they might be. I'm hoping for that luck going to Denver game. Wouldn't that be fun? A little Peyton versus the Colts in the I think divisional we're getting, round. We're getting Colts Saturday morning playoff action. Saturday morning. Saturday morning. How about that? That would be a new one. Uh, let's talk Denver Oakland. Terrell Pryor starting in this game. The Broncos will need to win this game and play all out to get the one seed. Do we think? the Raiders on their perfect day defensively could give the Broncos a little bit of trouble. Yes. You do? I do, yeah. Why is that? Pat Sims. Pat Sims. Pat Sims. First mention of the year. on the Chargers last week. Okay. I don't know. I've seen Pat Sims like two games a year take over games, and the other 14 games just disappears. 
This guy's like the big daddy Dan Wilkinson of his era. This is why you listen to the Around the League podcast. Everyone else is talking Romo and Rogers, and we're going Pat Sims. I'd be more comfortable if they had a 24-year-old Phil Sims. <laughs> uh, Pat Sims is not going to get it done here alone against Denver. This game is a whitewash. And I think Peyton Manning wants to roll up some more numbers and put that record out of reach. Do you think he cares about that? I totally do. Yeah. Why do you think he's wearing a wire last week? You know, oh, he just happens to be wearing a wire. I'm not blaming him for it. I love the fact that Peyton Manning cares about the history of the game. He cares about all the people that come before him, and he's into it. That's what we want out of our players, but I do think it matters, and I think in the in the back of his head, look, he'll probably throw three or four touchdowns anyways, but... Hey, it's not the worst thing in the world to drop 55 on the board. Try to beat that Tom Brady next year. Well, it, it does help us not to have to see Brock Osweiler this week. Yes. And we, Peyton Manning is still rankled about the cold weather thing. I think he's – Yeah. This is in his head in a good way. He wants to prove people wrong. And let's be honest, sitting before the playoffs didn't work out for him. They're going to get a bye, so they have next week off. They want to go in feeling good about their – offense. I think they're going to be looking to put up a big number to get that one seed. The Patriots have an outside chance at the one seed. They would need Denver to lose and to beat Buffalo. It's a tough matchup for the Patriots offense who got back, you know, in gear last week in Baltimore. They're going to be playing Thad Lewis in the Buffalo Bills. EJ Manuel is going to miss this game once again. Do you think the Bills defense can at least keep this game close? No, not on the road. I think they're a different defense at home versus the road. I wouldn't trust them to keep this game close. I think the issue, I you know, I went back and watched that game again, too, and Thad Lewis, who honestly didn't look as good as he did when he came in in the middle of the year, he, he was missing uh, routine uh, dump-offs. He was overthrowing guys by 10, 15 yards. He um, he kind of warmed up and made some plays, but I, I don't lo- I don't like what that offense did at all last week. I don't know, though. This game has a, a strange sort of tone to me. I could see New England struggling a little bit, not losing, but having to – it's not going to be one of these 37-7 to 7 Brady cakewalks. I think it'll be 13-6 to 6 at halftime, and then the Patriots will roll a little bit in the second half. The, the way to beat the pa- – I'm as a Patriots fan, I'm scared of any great quarterback because I think this defense is a huge problem right mm. now. But they can win games because of their coaching and because of Tom Brady if you don't have a great quarterback. And that's why the AFC playoffs shakes up pretty well for them at, to at least get to the championship game. I think they'll, they'll win this game. They have not traditionally blown these sort of games to blow a bye. And they've been talking, we need this bye all week long. You know, it's a huge thing to get to the second round. They should win. Finally, you know, we, we talked, we planned the show ahead, ahead of time sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's not all just improvised. And we thought, what's, how can we close the regular season strong on these Friday podcasts? And we just thought there's only one option for the last game. Tennessee versus Houston. Titans, Texans. Get excited. It might be Case Keenum's last career start. Wow. He will start <laughs> if his thumb allows. The Texans are down to their fifth-string running back. Jonathan Grimes signed off the street two weeks ago, backed up by Ray Graham signed off the street this week. They're running out of bodies in Texas. Graham and Grimes. I feel like there's a T-shirt opportunity in (laughs) Houston. This is exciting. That sounds like it's it's potentially too late for Mike Munchak to change anyone's mind at this point. 
So we don't we could know. Be, we don't know. But it, you know, it's it sounds like both of these teams. Half that division's changing massively, and it's starting right here. Let's truncate this game and talk about some referees. Okay. So this has been the year of everyone saying the refs are terrible. It's okay. been a theme on on Twitter all sure. year. I've got some referee rankings for you. Oh, okay. The, the door has opened. A, uh, a shadowy <laughs> league figure has entered the room. He, he's holding a whistle <laughs> and a noose. That's very strange. All right. If your team's in the playoffs— you're going to want Gene Steratore refing your games. Oh, yeah. Best ref in the NFL. Yeah. This guy's great. We won't talk about Jeff Triplett. <laughs> <laughs> he makes a call, and you feel confident that. Oh, yeah. He, he knows what's going he's on. He's bypassed Hockley. Oh, yeah. Steratore's great. He's never had a Super Bowl assignment. I think this is the year. Let's get Steratore in the Super Bowl. Do we Bowl. not know already who will be refing the Super Bowl? I don't know, no. but, I, but I knew this morning when I had a strong opinion on referees that I've watched way too many football games this that year. That may be true. They they announced the referee and playoff assignments you know, after the end of the regular season because they do it based on their grades. They grades all the refs, and the top the top one gets to do if, the Super if Bowl. Sterator, if Sterator is not number one, somebody's not watching the games. Well, Blandino, get it, get it in order. Closing <laughs> even stronger than Titans-Texans. Closing... <laughs> With referee talk. Ref rankings. It was, a, it was a pleasure this regular season. But we'll be back next week, even a little earlier, on Tuesday with the podcast. We'll talk about all the coaching changes. We'll start to look ahead to the playoffs. We'll have a big playoff preview on Thursday. Our schedule's changing just a little for the playoffs. And uh, it was a pleasure, you know, taking over for Dan. But I'll be excited when he's back in the host chair for Zach the gold standard behind the glass. Dan Hansis calling in. Kevin Patra on the road back home to Chicago. Mark Sessler and Chris Wesseling. I'm Greg Rosenthal. We will talk to you Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.